Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Dr. Debbie, she practices in Los Angeles. I don't know why she still practices. Los She's really Angeles? Good. I'm sorry, Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that was a mistake there. Huh? Yes. Yeah. She practices in Las Vegas, and I don't know why she's still practicing. She really does a fine job. I think she could move on to the actual thing right now, but she can answer your questions because she sees all kinds of weird, strange animals in Las Vegas, and you do see those in Los Angeles, yeah, too, strange do. animals. And those are just the people. Yes. Yeah, those are two-legged kind. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. What's going on with your animals? I have a uh, nine-year-old Jack Russell Terrier that gets car sick. Um, she's a real timid little dog, and she gets really nervous in the car. And took her on a trip to try it out. Um, it was about a two and a half hour long trip, and she threw up the whole way um, there. Oh, and then boy. on the way back, she was exhausted, so she slept. But the problem is, we were going to go on a vacation for about four days. And in the past, we had another dog that we had to put down a couple months ago, and we would just leave them both at home and have someone come in and take care of them uh, several times a day. And that worked out fine, but we really didn't want to leave her alone, and she's never really been kenneled. So I guess my question is, is there anything you can do for the car sickness? I believe it's caused by her getting really nervous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are things we can do for pets that have this problem. Um, but you brought up a kind of a good point there is that for some pets, it's truly a motion sickness problem. But for others, it's really more of an anxiety driven uh, problem. And, uh, you know, we can treat for motion sickness, but if they've got anxiety or fear for car travel, then it doesn't necessarily um, help them. So um, the first thing is to really kind of figure out which situation it is. If if the sight of your car or just sitting in the car gets your dog salivating and gets them worked up, then we might be dealing more with an anxiety problem than if they're happy-go-lucky, they're in the car for a while, and then they get sick. Um, that might be more of a motion sickness. So um, first thing is really the main way to treat this is to tr- really condition the pet for car travel. So that's basically going to mean that we're going to slowly work up to exposures in the car and probably not take them for that two-hour car ride until they are actually um, acclimated to the car. So we want to start really baby steps. So we get them maybe close to the car. We treat them. We give them goodies. We make it a pleasant experience. Then we work up to opening the car door, making them sit in the car seat, um, coming back out, and then gradually turning on the car with a pet in it to actually going down the driveway. And as we do this, we're only doing little steps. So if at any point the pet shows fear, anxiety, or or get sick to their stomach, we stop because we're not going to win anything by trying to battle through it. We want to make it short, good exposures and make that car become a great thing that they become accustomed to. So that's how we work through that aspect. And eventually we build up to longer and longer exposures within the car. Now, to do that, you might need some other tools to help you. And uh, there's some kind of natural steps we might try. And then there's going to be also some different types of medications that we can look at. So um, if we're looking at a pet that has true motion sickness, I'm going to go for more like Dramamine or a drug called Serenia. Um, both of those, you can talk to your veterinarian about the right doses. Um, and they can be helpful for a lot of pets with car travel. 
But beyond that, some kind of natural things that I like to use. Um, I'm a fan of the doggy pheromones, um, those scent hormones that have a calming effect on the pet. Mm-hmm. We can use those in preferably a collar format to help them through some of these nervous and anxious uh, times. Um, that would be helpful. Um, some folks also like to use ginger for car travel, um, and we can give that to our pets as well um, to help uh, kind of ease their stomach with uh, car sickness. Um, and then just some of the basic things, um, which you may have figured some of this out. A lot of people don't know that when we travel with our pets, they're just like us. If we face forward, we're better off. Um, and dogs and cats that are restraining carriers or in a seatbelt are less apt to have a problem because they're, they've got their world controlled. They're not seeing as much going on around them and, um, they are a little bit more controlled in their world. So those are good things. And of course, we don't want to feed them right before you get into the car or you're going to have a mess on your hands. Right. I'm pretty sure it's just, um, anxiety. I'm, I'm pretty sure just by knowing her, I'm almost positive that's what it is. Um, uh-huh. but you know, of course I'm not, I don't know honestly, but, um, I really do think that's probably what it is. Yeah. And unfortunately, so, I've never really taken or there's been no reason to because we could leave just both dogs at home. Um, but I just hate leaving her home alone for that period of time. And the fact that she's never really been kenneled because we just didn't do it that way, I'm afraid that would that'd be pretty traumatic for her too. So we were just yeah. trying to figure out a way to for her to be happy and us to be able to go also. Yeah, and it'll take a little work, but you can do it. Um, it helps if the pet is already crate or kennel trained for getting them used to car travel, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that way. So it really just takes a lot of commitment, a little bit of time, and um, you know, really just working on that positive reinforcement with um, kind of every step you go. I never thought about the kennel. I'll try that, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good luck, Cheryl. Okay. We appreciate your time. Hi, Gene. How are you doing? Well, um uh we haven't had I haven't had a, a household pet for about twenty some years, and my wife uh, surprised and brought home a little kitty last week. And, you don't uh, sound like a kitty guy. No, I wasn't a kitty guy, but I, I don't know what it is about this one. But I'm not used to cats being so you know friendly and follow you around, just like having a dog. Really, uh-huh. yeah. it's a dog cat. It, it's a special breed that is out there. They are wonderful. Yes. What cat? What's that? Oh, we, uh, dog dog, we have one of those that'll actually play with the dog because he thinks he's a dog. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if she thinks she's a dog, but she's, she's doing good. And, and naturally, now I'm getting into her her care, and uh, she has a couple. She has a couple times coughed up some clear phlegm, and that's our only concern. We 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 got her from a reliable source. She had her shots, and. You know, and mm-hmm. they, they made a sign of paper. We wouldn't lead her, leave her out, let her go outside or anything. So, you know. Uh-huh. And how old is she? Um, how old is this cat? But ten. My wife's name is Debbie too, Doctor Debbie. So. Awesome. But ten, ten <laughs> weeks. How old? Ten weeks. She's ten weeks. Okay, and she's in good health, other than that spitting up. Yeah, yeah. She seems so. She, you know, she cats sleep a lot. I mean, I assume, but she she is alone for. Uh, a portion of the day for maybe about four or five hours, but she and she's sleeping now. But she seems to be, you know, jumping around and she uses her litter box and you know it's kind of amazing, really. I thought I thought it'd be a big hard <laughs> thing to get her to use the litter. You're box. in love with the cat, admit Aww. it. Uh, I, He's a yeah, convert. I, I, yes. I, I, yeah, I, I am. I have to admit it. It was I, I, just the prettiest cat I've ever seen for one thing, and it's like uh, so. Like I said, I'm so, just concerned. 
about that sure. about the coughing thing. You're concerned about that, and, and tell me about what context it's happening. Is it after she's eating, or? Um, it's not after she's eating. I guess it just seems like it seems to be at night, though. I think two times that we're at night, and she just start kind of like convulsing a little bit, and then she cough up some some phlegm, clear phlegm. Okay. And, and it was a cough. A lot. Yeah. Well, it was, wasn't a sneeze. Well, she did sneeze a couple of times, but that was the, that it was a she was a cough. So I'm, I'm talking. Excuse me, I'm talking. My wife is here. She should have. She's got the <laughs> details better than I do, but no cough, no coughing. I'm sorry. Just uh, uh you know, it's kind of hard to describe, I guess. But her body was kind of, uh, you know, well, like she was trying to cough something up. You know, I almost okay. thought like the cat. Yep, stare high off hairballs and stuff. I don't know. Absolutely. And that was going to be my first thing is that, you know, she's young to have hairballs, but because of that cat constant grooming behavior and they've got that tongue that has just those hair grabbers that basically ingest hair, um, hairballs are a common cause of that occasional cough kind of vomit type episode. Sometimes a hair comes up and not every case does it always come up. So if you're a cat owner that finds those frequent little um, pleasant gifts, whether they're hair or just a little bit of phlegm, that's yeah. usually a sign that we need to up our grooming um, practices. So really? brushing her is definitely very, very important. It'll help loosen that hair. And, you know, she's a little young yet, but we may even want to consider some of the hairball remedies, some of the petroleum-based um, products that help to move that hair through the digestive tract. And, you know, if we're really good with grooming and we have a good quality diet, there's no reason that you have to deal with this, but every effort you can make to fight the old hairball problem will be advantage there. So if, if she's in good health otherwise and you're not really seeing true vomiting, you're not seeing coughing, sneezing, a congested kitty. I did get sneezing a couple of times, but I mean a couple of sneezes out of a cat, I guess there's nothing. How's the poop? Yeah. How's the what? How's the poop? <laughs> Uh, he it, wants the poop We we have our litter box. And, uh, we're going to move it eventually, but we've put it pretty close. And I was commenting that uh, you know I got the I did uh, get the job of cleaning the box the first time, so I did notice mm-hmm. that there there's qu- plenty in there and and it smells. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the normal normal smell of cat poop and then there's the abnormal and i would definitely look at the consistency so if the poops are solid they're they're easy to pick up and scoop then they're probably okay and you're dealing with the average just stanky uh, cat poop kind of thing but uh, it sounds like you know you're off to the right start here and you know the occasional sniffle or sneeze in a cat isn't a problem unless that's a more uh, ongoing problem so if you hear one sneeze a day two sneezes i'm not bothered by that Um, especially if it's after they exit the litter box because a lot of kitties will be a little sniffly or sneezy after that so i think you're doing okay there i maybe up your grooming um efforts a little bit i gotta tell you it's a fence i mean we've got we bought her a little uh, there's a brush here and rather than petting her she loves this brush i mean she loves it i mean we've been doing we've been petting her a lot uh, with the brush so i don't know the brush is kind of here and it's but, yeah, uh, Jean, welcome to the cat world. You are definitely <laughs> fully uh, transformed fully, over yeah, to that okay, of the feline well. lover. <laughs> well, we love taking kitty calls, and, and thank you so much for, for joining us and being a listener. This is Dr. Debbie. Give us a call or email me at docdebbie at animalradio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hi, this is Eric Dane on Animal Radio, reminding you to stay and neuter your pets. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets. And you can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download that right now. Tammy Trujillo, our news director, what do you got going on there in the Animal Radio newsroom? Well, we've all heard of a prenup, right? Sure. Okay. And that sets up how things are going to get divided if a couple breaks up down the road somewhere. But now in Britain, they're dealing with what's called a pet nup. And this is new. Don't know if it's going to stand up in court. But the idea here is to have an agreement about who's going to get the pets, the cats, the dogs, the fishes, whatever, if the couple breaks up so these animals don't get caught in this horrible tug of war. It's a big deal. So that's kind of cool to hear. We had an author on last year that was, uh, well, the book was called we were staying together for the pets, something like that. Mm-hmm. We're staying together for the dogs. And people will do that because they're like our children. That's right. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, there's visitation rights, too. A lot, you see that happening a lot now. That's hard because then you got to see your ex. But I guess that's what you deal with if you have If you want to see your little yeah. furry friend, that's what you got to do. Same like with kids. Yep. Okay, so I can't wait to hear about that. That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Okay, this story from uh, Westward Village, Texas. About a fire, firefighters who doused flames in a North Texas house have also made sure the lone resident didn't croak. Yeah, they they did a rescue, special kind of rescue. They rescued a pet frog. Aww. Good for them. Yeah. No one was in the house at the time when the the house caught on fire, and apparently they were putting it out when the owners came back, and the owners said, hey, my frog's inside. They they went in and rescued the frog, and uh, the frog is perfectly fine. Kudos to them. They love their frog. You got to love firemen, too. Yeah. Okay. You got some breaking news from the newsroom. Oh, boy. This is fantastic news. This is all over the internet. It's on fire this morning. We've talked about these before these absolutely disgusting crush videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They come out of the Philippines, that's where they're being made. And they show all these small animals literally being stepped on by people in high heels. I mean, just indescribable things being done to these beautiful little animals. Oh, God, I cannot watch them. I, I watched like two seconds of one once, and that was it. Well, here's the good news. The people behind them, Vincente and Dorma Ridden, 
They've been in jail since they had a trial for them in June of 2012 um, on all these charges of, of masterminding these videos. They have just been sentenced to life in prison. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's and great. fined and fined nine million pesos each. That works out to about six hundred and seventy thousand dollars each for taking part in making these videos. And they also have the records of the people who have purchased the videos on the internet. And these are people in Australia and France and Malaysia, the US, all over the place. They now face the possibility of being charged with purchasing these absolutely hideous videos that I don't understand why anybody would want to even watch, let alone make. Mm. But boy, this sends a message like crazy. That's that great. You cannot news. do this sort of stuff. I know. Usually these people you know, we hear about all these animal abuse stories and the people literally if they if they don't walk away they get a slap on the hand. Right. Well not this time. Mm. Not this time. So this is this is the best news ever. We found out about this with Loretta Swit from mm-hmm. Nash mm-hmm. Hotlet Hulahan. Yeah. She came on the show and she ta- started talking about this back in what was God, it, two thousand five, two thousand six? Yeah. They've been around a while, a long while. And, and if you just think how many animals yep. lost their lives to this this disgust, it's just terrible. But yeah, she's been a champion all along of making people aware that these were out there and fighting to have something done. Okay. What else do you got coming up in the news today? There's an organization in Britain called the Blue Cross. It's an animal uh, charity, and they've come up with like a pet nup, as they call it, to spell out exactly what happens to the family pet if a couple should split up so the animal doesn't get involved in a tug of war. Oh, kind of interesting. Okay, I can't wait to hear about that. Joey, what do you got coming up? Well, we're going to talk about um, new um, pet owners and their puppies and how to get them used to um, being brushed. That's all on the way. We have Paulette on the phone. Hi, Paulette. Hello. How can we help you today? Um, my older dog, she's a lab chow. She has, uh, what do you call, bald spots on her, like on her legs. Okay. Scratching. And so I was curious to know if that was maybe an allergy from food. You said she is scratching? She focuses yes. on those areas? Yes. Okay, what part of her legs are they on? Because I'm trying to draw a little picture in my mind. Um, if there's redness or sores no. or if it's... It's 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 like white little bald patches. There's no red. Okay, so we've and just got bald patches. And it's like seasonal. It seems like whenever it falls coming. Yeah, and I mean, it certainly, especially if there is some seasonality to it, it, it would kind of chime a bit of a concern of allergies to me. Although some pets with food allergies, and you mentioned that, uh, food allergies tend to be pretty much year-round. There's not necessarily a season to that unless the diet is kind of changing or you're morphing it into a different food or something. First and foremost, when I have a pet with um, hair loss on their legs, if they're itching and they're bothering that area, um, there's some things that I do want to check first. And a lot of times I'll check for skin mites or infections. And those are done with some simple laboratory tests that your vet can do in their veterinary office. Um, Because a lot of times, allergies don't happen by themselves. Um, There's other things that come along on the ride. Uh, Bacterial infections, yeast infections. Now, if we wanted to kind of look at things and see if there's even a psychological component, some dogs can have obsessive 
um, tendencies towards over-grooming or licking, and they can develop what we call lick sores. So if we're dealing with something like that, then we generally have to really get faithful about seeing your veterinarian getting an Elizabethan collar on to keep them from licking the bejesus out of their legs and uh, get some other uh, you know, uh, antibiotics and so forth on board with those pets. You so. don't want the bejesus licked out of any legs, I'll tell you that right now. That's uh, <laughs> probably one of the worst things that could happen, those bejesus. <laughs> How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. When a marriage breaks up, it's the kids who often get caught in the middle. But pets can end up becoming the subjects of custody battles, too. Now the British animal charity Blue Cross has come up with what it calls a pet nup. that spells out who will get the family pet if the couple breaks up. It's kind of like a prenuptial. The question now is, will the pet nup hold up in court? So far, it hasn't been tried, and it's not clear if the British courts will enforce the agreements. Well, you don't hear about this very often, maybe never about a goldfish having an operation, but you don't often hear about a goldfish having a life-threatening tumor growing out of its head either. Little George of Melbourne, Australia had both, and the tumor was recently removed at the Lord Smith Animal Hospital. The tumor had been growing slowly for a year and was starting to affect how 10-year-old George swam. George was a very beloved pet. His family and the vet worked together to make this amazing feat happen. Surgery took about an hour, and George was almost immediately swimming along as if nothing had ever happened. Well, if you leave something behind when you get off a plane, getting it back, that's a pain. Not so anymore if that plane happens to land at the Amsterdam airport's Capoli. Sherlock will get it back to you, no problem. Sherlock is actually a beagle, and he's been specially trained to return lost items to passengers. When a KLM flight crew member finds something that's been forgotten, they let Sherlock get the scent, and then he goes off running through the airport with the item tucked into a special pouch on his vest to find the item's owner. Might actually be worth leaving something on the plane to see Sherlock in action, I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't know. If, if, huh? it, if I was in the airport and a dog started chasing me, I'd run. <laughs> yeah, He's a beagle. Yeah, there's a viral video going around showing him working and, and no, retrieving a phone it. and something like that. You know, i got to wow. tell you. You got to be careful. I mean, depending on what you bring him back from Amsterdam, you maybe think he's a drug sniffing dog and start running out of the airport. Yep. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. Good.
Good day, animal lovers. It is time for your resident party animal, and that'd be me, Vinnie Penn. Uh, just hung up the phone with uh, my sister who lives out in Las Vegas. She had to go because she was having what she called a play date with her dog. She has a girlfriend who got uh, the same dog, same time as her. They're, uh, technically, the dogs are brothers. I don't know, brother and sister or sisters. But she said, yeah, we're having a play date with the dogs. And I said, well, this this is a brilliant idea. And she said, yeah, she comes over once a week and we let the dogs play in the yard. And then we get to catch up. We also have a yappy hour, she said. And I, and I said, excuse me? She goes, yeah, yappy hour. You know, we, we have drinks. We'll crack open a couple of bottles of wine. And I thought to myself, this is not a play date for the dogs. No matter what clever name you come up with, whatever Guys, this is an excuse for you to uh, get drunk with uh, your girlfriend uh, under the ruse that you care about your animals and then um, drive the little guy home drunk. And I've met her friend Anne-Marie before. I could see her propping her dog up in her lap and having that dog steer the car. Yappy hour. Vinnie Penn, Party Animal, Animal Radio. It is time for another Hero of the Week. Remember, you can nominate someone that's doing good for animals in your area. Send an email to your voice at animalradio.com. Judy's looking for all of those. And yeah. got a whole bunch of them this last week. We have. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to save or help a lot of animals. It could just be one animal, a needy animal that they've taken into their home that most people would discard or look the other way. And that's sort of what our next guest is all about. Elizabeth Forsberg, let's first welcome her to the show. How are you doing, Elizabeth? Fine, thank you. You have uh, two dogs, an Irish setter and a chocolate lab beagle mix, right? I actually have three. I also have an English setter. Okay. What's different about the Irish setter and the chocolate lab beagle? Um, they're both paralyzed in the rear. Um, the Jesse, who's the chocolate lab mix, was um, pinned under an, an outbuilding in New Jersey many years ago in the snow, in the cold, and her elderly people couldn't get her out. The next morning, people came to help, and Jessie had been damaged and will never walk again. And Cloud, who's the Irish setter, was hit by a car in Tennessee when a puppy and left in a yard with no medical help for a week. Wow. And Setter Rescue got a hold of him, and all of us, all the setter people, pitched in about $18,000 to repair him, had plates put in his wow. backbone, and he was given to me to rehabilitate, and I got him walking for about five years, and somehow an internal infection in the, one of the screw holes holding his plate in started, and my vet and a surgeon friend of his took three hours to remove the plates, and he was left paralyzed. So I have him as well. So he do, he has no use of any of his limbs? Um, just his front legs. And Jessie has use of her front legs. I actually started all this with a dog who was also an Irish setter named Merlin, who was a rescue that I had many years ago. And he came down with degenerative myeliopathy, which is the canine form of Lou Gehrig's disease. And so he lost first the ability to use his back legs, then the ability to use his front legs. So I learned with a very big dog with paraplegia and quadriplegia, and that's how I began all this. How do you deal with a, a huge dog that can't walk at all or has no use of any of their limbs? 
Well, if you love them enough, you figure out how. And there's a harness that one woman makes that helps you lift the back end. Uh Um, I learned how, when no legs work, to lift him physically into a quad cart where I could roll him with four wheels. So you learn. There's ways. You manage. And I was in my mid-50s when I started doing this. Wow. By myself, five foot two. Um, worked full time and I loved him enough that you don't give up on your friend. You figure out how. You teach a high school class, right? Yes. I've been a high school teacher for about 38 years now. What kind of class, what kind of students do you teach? I'm actually a biology teacher. I was at one school at a high school for 32 years. And when they um, changed their format, I am now sort of a utility teacher at another high school where I circulate and do many different subjects. Do you uh, talk about your special needs dogs? Sometimes I do with people that are interested and let them know, but I became a volunteer for Pets with Disabilities. That was the agency that I found online when I went looking to see if they made wheelchairs and how you went about all this. I found Pets with Disabilities, and after Joyce followed me taking care of my first Irish Um, She asked me to be their volunteer that helps people worldwide learn how to handle their paralyzed pets. So that's what I do at night when I get home from teaching. Wow. uh, That's a pretty full day. Both two full-time jobs. These these animals normally, or in most situations, might be put to sleep? That's what many vets suggest. And a lot of veterinarians don't know what can be done with a paralyzed dog because it's those of us who've had them, that have learned how, that have not given up. We're the ones that know. And even my own vet, when this all started, um, he watched me, and I sort of went to him and said, can I get a wheelchair for Merlin? Is it okay if I try this? And he was a safety net. He was there. He watched me learn. Um, When Merlin finally passed away, because DM does take the dog eventually, I said to him, now, I've learned all these things, and I'm happy with wheels. There is another dog I would like to adopt that's paralyzed, is it all right with you if I do this? Because I wasn't going to put an animal on him without permission. And he said, yes, go ahead. He looked at the pictures. He wanted to know about Jessie. And I went and I got her and brought her home. So he's been behind me all the way, and he's watched me learn. But a lot of veterinarians don't know Mm. what can be done. And they suggest euthanizing. And these animals can have a beautiful life. They can have a full life. It's just they do things a little differently than the other dogs. Well, these animals are blessed that you came into their life. Do you have a website? No, I don't, but Pets with Disabilities does, and they can forward, they actually forward all the emails that come in on the paralyzed animals to me. And I also have my own email where people can email me, and I answer that way as well. Okay, we'll put uh, that over at the website at animalradio.com. You're doing wonderful work, Elizabeth Forsberg, our Hero of the Week. Thank you so much for taking care of these animals that some people, most people, wouldn't. No, and it's fun. Once you know how to do it, and I (laughs) help people, I mean, I think everybody will want one of these animals because this is fun. It's unique, it's different, and it's fun. What would you do with a normal dog? (laughs) I've had normal dogs, and, you know, they're nice, but after I've learned this, I I don't think I'd be really happy there anymore. You know, I always mention how a paper cut, I'll go screaming and crying with the paper cut. These animals don't really know, or do they care that they've lost their back legs? Different. No, and and even with Cloud, which is within the last nine months or so that I've been working with him now that he's paralyzed, 
he has the most beautiful outlook and he clumps around, you know, and drags himself. My floors are all linoleum, so there's no sores. They don't get sores and I care for them very well. But his attitude is so beautiful. It's like, okay, we're doing this a different way. And Jessie slithers all over. She's the greatest <laughs> slitherer I've ever seen. <laughs> Off she goes. It's just our different way of getting around. And I have to be they careful. They're unstoppable. They really yeah, are. When, they, when they're outside, they don't drag on concrete or cement. They're in a sling or they're in their wheelchairs. And it's, it's no different to them. It's just our, our unique way of doing things. Elizabeth, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. We'll put links to Elizabeth and more information about her over at AnimalRadio.com. She is our Hero of the Week. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now. Download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We have Angie on the phone. Hi, Angie. How are you doing? Uh, Hi, I'm great. Where are you calling from? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Beautiful, cheesy Wisconsin. What's on your mind today? Um, I have two two of my kids are, are having a little issue. Um, my my girl Jezebel, who's three years old, dog, and my, my girl Hannah, who's six years old, dog, um, when when they go outside together, if Jezebel sees a squirrel or the neighbor or something, she turns around and she takes right after Hannah and um, has drawn blood on occasion, and I'm really worried about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have now started to crate Hannah so that um, when I'm not there that, that Jezzy doesn't get a hold of her, but I'm just wondering, is there some way that I can break Jezebel of this habit of going after Hannah? So, and you mentioned that it happens on the occasions with, like, squirrels and things like that. Is there anything else that you notice that kind of triggers this behavior? Is it just other, like, little varmints or other animals running around? But if she sees, like, somebody walking past the house, um, you know, it, it's people or, or it seems like it's anything that she wants to run to the run to the gate and, and bark at. Okay. So she runs, she runs to the fence, looks at it, and then immediately turns around and takes after Hannah and Hannah just tucks tail, you know, head down and heads for the house. So yeah. I'm just wondering what can what can I do? Because otherwise they're great friends. They wrestle on the floor and they sleep right next to each other. They don't fight over toys. They don't fight over food. Good. It, it good. just seems to be this outside stuff. 
Okay. And that inherently is the biggest challenge that you have with this situation is because it is outside and there's a lot of variables. You don't always know when another dog might be walking by or a rabbit's in the yard um, or someone's, you know, walking by the fence line. That's really hard to predict. And in order to train against this behavior, it's basically a uh, redirected aggression problem um, is kind of the definition of what you're having. She gets anxiety, she gets kind of worked up, and she looks around, and, and the object she's actually interested in is unattainable. She can't get there. So she looks, right. and Hannah is the closest object, so she's actually being the brunt of, um, receiving the brunt of all of that. So the okay. hard thing is, as long as those two dogs are in that same environment and we don't do anything to change that, you're going to have that same pattern. Um, okay. now keeping, keeping Hannah locked up or, um, you know, away, yeah, that, that's one way to keep the event from happening, but it, it's not going to really address, um, the issue for, for Jezebel. And that is that when those situations are going on, there's a lot of anxiety that she's feeling. And um, to try to work with that, um, we really need to actually kind of limit the access and be able to control and direct her behavior during those um, episodes. So that makes it tough. So if you're not around and you can't directly supervise those interactions outside, who, you know, I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to have to keep her inside to where you can supervise her and then spend some time outside with uh, maybe a halter leash, a gentle lead type halter on her uh-huh. on her snout where you can uh-huh. maintain control of her and almost kind of sit there and wait for something to happen and we don't want you to get in the middle of it but we do want right. to be able to direct um, with good behaviors practice obedience um, to try to give her something to focus on rather than you know someone near the fence line or an animal and you know this is okay. something you can work on in practice um, in the in the yard and not wait for someone to come walking by the gate or something um but uh, as long as we're not taking control of that situation i I think you're going to really have a hard time with us um and it's it's so funny to me because jezebel's been through the the akc uh good citizen you know program she passed with flying colors (laughs) You know, so I'm, I don't know why all of a sudden we had a really bad incident. They were kennels um, over Memorial Day weekend, and the, the kennel put them both in the same kennel. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of other dogs there, and she uh-huh. really, Jesse really got a hold of Hannah. So I don't know yeah. if that was the start of it. You know, that sounds pretty suspicious, and and that's not all that unusual. And um, I do see that with some pets that even are kenneled in my office here. They may get along great at home, but with kind of the higher anxiety, the barking, seeing other animals walk by their enclosures, um, it can be upsetting. And sometimes that's what kind of starts that direction to say, I'm going to bite this dog with me in my kennel versus that dog that I want to kind of look at and investigate out there. So, you know, you you may have kind of hit the core there. That might be at least part of maybe where some of this, uh, you know, kind of gets the explanation where it occurred. Um, there are some, you know, situations where I will use some behavior medicines to help work with that anxiety. Um, so I would get yourself in touch with your local veterinarian or a good lo- um, dog trainer um, because this would be something that um, I think you're going to probably need to have some practice sessions with and okay. kind of practice some of the ways of dealing with this, you know, practicing the basic obedience and just making sure that we're taking control of, of her behavior at those opportunities. You can get through this, but uh, it's 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 kind of like the uh, yeah. little sibling syndrome. 
Because they're, I mean, they are, oh my gosh, they are my everything. And I don't want anything bad to happen to either one. I don't want to have to get rid of anybody. So there's got to be a solution. Absolutely. And, and you can work through this. It's just the biggest part with with some of these behavior problems, it takes a lot of effort on the training end. So um, you know, there's never an easy solution, but there is a solution um, with, um, you know, practice, a lot of training, and then, you know, maybe seeing about, uh, you know, some of the things like the pheromones um, that we use in dog collars um, that can help to kind of decrease her anxiety and okay. uh, maybe use that in conjunction with an anxiety medicine to kind of help her through this training. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. My pleasure. Thanks for the call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Uh, We're here to answer your questions about your pets, and there's several ways you can ask them. You can call toll-free right now, or you can download the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and ask your questions directly from the app, you lucky dog, you. And I do believe we're taking some more calls here. Um, And Diane, is Diane on the phone? Yes. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you. Um, I'm having trouble with my German Shepherds. I have two. A female who just turned two and a male who is eight months old. Uh, We got the the second dog, the male, uh, because the first dog began wandering, um, running away a couple times a week as far as she could possibly go. Um, Mm -hmm. And... You know, it, it, it seems to have been, getting the mail did not um, help. It actually made it worse. Now they're partners in crime, and they run every chance they get. Um, oh, no. If we turn our back for one minute, they are gone. We have six acres of land. We've put up a physical fence, and they jump, they jump it, and we put a, that now we put electric fencing in okay. the physical fence, and they still jump it. Um, and How we don't know what to the do. fence? How high? Yeah. The fence is four feet high. Oh, well, now that's not a very uh, high fence for a German Shepherd, so well, so that, you know, that I could definitely... You're right. I, my, but my hope was once that they we put the fence up, that, that they'd see it and go, oh, okay, well, we're just going to have to make do with these six acres. Okay. But that's not the so, case. <laughs> that didn't now, happen. With your electric fence, is this one of the invisible fences that are in the perimeter and that warn the dog? Yes. Or is it actually a shock fence? Um, it does both. It warns and then shocks. Okay. All righty. Well, the hard thing is here, and I, I guess the other thing I want to ask is, um, are your pets both spayed and neutered? Yes. Okay, good, because that definitely goes a long way for the average dog in decreasing the desire to roam. Now, the challenge is, is that um, you kind of hit upon it, that these two are hooligans, and they're having a blast. They're having like a Thelma and Louise time out, and... Um, the rewards of jumping that fence and going out and exploring are so huge. And it's really hard to 
make that an aversive event, even with shock fences. And I have had veterinary colleagues whose own dogs jump through fences that have that shock and it's just they expect it and um, it really isn't a deterrent um, so we have to look at it in a different way um, if you do have the ability to use the invisible fence um, in a and a little bit closer perimeter that it can correct them before they get to the fence um, that might be helpful but in your situation that fence is really not a very um, high barrier for them and that really is just kind of like stepping over a, a small wall for them so the tough thing is that I tell you is fence jumping is very hard to stop because it is a fun playful self-rewarding behavior <laughs> so you're so really um, I I do advise if you can't get those physical barriers to change, uh, taller fences, um, or if the invisible fences don't work, then it really does become the best hope for the pets to have them as an indoor lifestyle. Oh, um, God, they would hate that, though. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you have um, one of the dogs outside, is there a difference? Uh, you know, yes. Do they look for their buddy and wait for yes. them? Yes. The, the female will not go without the male. And she was she was the one who was doing it in the first place. That's the reason we got the male. The male will jump the fence, but he won't run away. He'll run around to the front door. He'll stay on okay. the property. Okay. So yeah. we, we have tried that, letting them out separately. But, the, you know, they're both puppies. They love to play. It breaks my heart. We can't afford to get another fence and put it up. I mean, it was thousands mm-hmm. of dollars to fence oh, God, in, yeah. you know, yeah. a couple of acres of our land. Um, I'm, I'm hope- Is this something we can hope they'll grow out of? No, not really. <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm like doom and gloom here today for you, but so that's um, because okay. it's reality. This, yeah, because this is a fun, rewarding experience. Um, I I would not uh, I- unless we can make things in their yard more fun and more enjoyable. Um, that behavior is very likely to continue, um, and that's where um, truly I don't want to say giving up and making them indoor dogs, but when they're not supervised, it's really the safest thing for them, and the best way to prevent them from having having that reward of jumping the fence and going to explore. Now, definitely I would want to make sure we keep their world interesting. So, you know, get them lots of exercise. Um, I don't know if you have horses, you know, go out on runs and have them go following a bike or while you're out horseback riding. If we can get them tired, get them mentally stimulated in their own surroundings, we might not have as much the chance of them wanting to leave and jump the fence. But, um, you know, there's there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to correct this behavior. So can I ask another question? Um, sure. This is about ahead. the same issue. Is it is it possible if I were to talk to my vet? I mean, I I I feel I'm not a dog that they have a simulating environment. They have two children to play with. They have lots of toys. They have lots of land. Um, mm-hmm. They have each other. Is this could this be a case of doggy ADD? Is there medication that will keep yeah. them from wanting to wander and keep them from you know needing this extra stimulation? There, there can be dogs that have an anxiety component to um, jumping from a yard, but it's usually more of a fearful anxiety. It's not more like a I'm just bored and I just want to like have fun kind of thing. So I don't think that ang- or behavior medications are going to be very useful for you. You know, it really does fall more into the situations of a, a pet that is spooked, frightened, or feels like they need to get away in some way and yes in those situations i will go to those types of things but in your situation you know what's stimulating to us is, is different for a dog you know we don't really know we don't understand what um what goals they have um digging in the yard may be great fun playing with the kids may be okay fun 
so it's you know it's a the mindset of the dog and uh when they get out they chase deer and all kinds of wonderful things absolutely and that is just so much fun for dogs so (laughs) so sorry Um, to give you the bad news there diane and uh, that's that's okay thank you so much for your time my pleasure welcome to the show matt thanks dr debbie i got a question for you about my five and a half year old golden doodle all righty what you got well he had ppo surgery about six weeks ago and i was wondering how soon is too soon to you know, let him go to the groomer and get himself cleaned up. He's kind of a, getting to be a stinky little fella. <laughs> so I'm going to have to explain for Hal. TPLO yeah, surgery. Yeah. <laughs> you were, I knew that question was coming. TPLO surgery is done for dogs that have a ruptured cruciate ligament, uh, which is one of the major ligaments in the knee. So just like a football player that blows out their knee, taking that turn and making that catch, dogs jumping oh. off a couch or catching a frisbee can blow out the knee the same way. Okay. So, um, so your doggy ruptured that. Now, how's he getting along post-surgery at this time? You know, the next day he actually walked out of the vet underneath his own power, and wow. he's been doing great. The hardest thing is keeping him him calm. He wants to jump on everything, and uh, uh-huh. I've got to. Yeah, it's that's the hardest part of it. He amazingly is doing well. He did rip out all his stitches after seven days, but or his staples, oh. I should say. I'm not surprised. He may have what we term uh, goofy retriever syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I've coined that because I have one myself. He's a goofy retriever. Um, Yeah, prone to just trouble. Uh, Are you having difficulty keeping him from doing things at this point now, huh? Yeah, we really are. Um, We had taken our our half of our bed and put it downstairs as to keep him off the stairs, you know, and stuff Uh like that. But now we are walking him up the stairs on the lead. We've never had to harness his back, but we are having a hard time keeping him down. Like when he sees other dogs out the window, he wants to run around the living room. Kind of hard to slow him down. Yeah. And when he wants to go real fast, he just lifts the leg up and then hops around on three. It's kind of hysterical, but, you know. <laughs> he takes the, the slow leg out from underneath him, and then he can really move. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's go fast mode. Yeah. Well, with a dog that recovers from a TPLO surgery, normally the healing time we're looking at about two to three months out. And about eight weeks after the surgery is when ideally we ought to get an x-ray to see how the bone is healing um, because there is a mm-hmm. plate involved with that. And we want to make sure that there's good healing callus of that bone there. Um, that might make some difference in whether or not we want to give you a kind of free reign to get into some of the grooming activities. Um, I'd have to say, because he has goofy retriever syndrome, <laughs> then you know we might push that back as far as we can for your typical standard type grooming. Um, that being said, there are some dogs that I have to get some kind of grooming done, whether they're just stinky, dirty from you know being post-surgery or what have you. If we do have to get him to a groomer or do a home bathing, there are some precautions that I would do, and and one is to use a non-stick uh, mat in the bathing tub um, because that's very important. We don't want him slipping and losing his foot in any way um, and jumping in and out of a tub is a horrible thing for a dog after this type of surgery so if possible we'd try to either do this um, I, I've even bathed some dogs 
um, in our dog runs at the office um, where we don't have to even worry about the up and down. And that helps to kind of make us feel better about that whole experience. And then, uh, you know, know your dog and know your groomer. Um, if if it seems like it's a something that they can pull off without risk of injury, um, you know, then it may be okay. But uh, for a lot of these really uh, silly, uh, exuberant uh, retrievers, I, I would push off the, the true grooming until we're cleared by the doctor that everything's healed. Okay. No, that, that sounds good. You know, I could deal with most of it. It's just his face is getting kind of crusty, and I wasn't sure how to handle that. <laughs> My dogs, they love a good hot rag on their face, and I call it the doggy spa. So they come and I get the hot warm towels and I put on their face and they push and shove and push their way up. They get their ears clean and get the doggy spa. So, you know, even something as simple as that may make uh, make him feel good. And, you know, just like us, yeah. you got to look good to feel good. So, Absolutely. Uh, you, know. you know, and consequently, Dr. Debbie, this is the one I called you on about two and a half months ago that I wanted to get a second opinion on him. I thought it was a bad diagnosis and it did turn out that it was. You were right. I'm glad I did. I did go get that second opinion, and I'm glad I awesome. did. Great to hear. Isn't she the best good. doctor around? That's why we come, oh. come here. Give me a. All right. I'm Thank you. He's giving me noogies here. A lot of love in the room right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. (laughs) Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Hi, this is Iron Chef Kat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets. And, you know, we do celebrate our pets because, well, we're the crazy ones. We're the ones that will do just about anything for our pets. And the unfortunate thing is that these little guys that give us unconditional love usually don't live longer than we do. And they, Well, except for the case of Gurney, who will live on... How old is Gurney? Forever. Forever? <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I, I lost track, um, but pro- I'm going to say probably between 36 and 38. Right now. Right okay. now? And how long do those right birds now, live? 60, 70, 60, 70 years. Well, listen, they eat seeds and fruit and, and greens. I mean, if you ate seeds, fruit, and greens, you'd live forever, too. <laughs> okay, well. Same thing with my tortoise. I got a cicada tortoise. Oh, how long do they and, live? Well, Cecil right now is about 30 to 35 years old, and he could easily make it up to 75 or so. Wow. Okay, Jeez. so do you guys have 
in your wills, have you provided for these animals? Yes, all Joey? of my animals. All of them. Okay. No, I, I, I look at it like this. You know, once I die, it's every man for himself. So, you know, it's every bird for themselves once I die. <laughs> okay. So, well, don't worry. Every, you know, it's funny because every, everyone wants her. Every, every, everybody wants Gurney when they see her and, until they spend a little time with her. And um, they, they realize that, you know, birds aren't aren't as easy pets as you think. I mean, let's put it this way. I'd never get rid of her. Um, you know, she's my bird. But um, it, but um, she could be difficult at times, uh, like an unruly two-year-old. Well, for most of us, un- unfortunately, we don't deal with the the long-living animals, the cats and the dogs. I guess the bigger the dog is, the shorter the life. I know. We'd wish they'd live longer. And we develop these unbelievable relationships with these animals, and then they're cut short. And it's always something where you know, if a relative of yours, a human relative, dies, and your animal dies. I get a little more upset over the animal, okay? That's just the way I am. You're closer with them. You spend every day with them. Relatives you don't see once a year, maybe. That's it. So I'm really glad to have this next guest, Margot Alquist, on. She has developed a kit. It's a pause-by-your-side kit, which will bring you back on your path to happiness after your animal has passed. How are you doing, Margot? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit about your kit and what's in it. So the kit... um includes 21 days of audio healing activities um, that I used actually to help me uh, when I lost my childhood dog, Marty, um, a few years back. There's also an accompanying workbook um, slash journal in it that goes along with the healing activities that you'll do. And then there is a healing bracelet, copper is very healing. So we've got a copper bracelet for the human and then a dog tag, which is um, a memorial tag that could be used for the animal that's passed. Or if you'd like, you could put it on the leash of a new pet that comes into your home. How did you come up with 21 days? Well, right. And I get this question a lot. By no means can any of us get over the loss of a pet in 21 days. It's, it's impossible. But It takes 21 days to form a new habit or to form a new way of thinking. 21 days, you know, science has shown that. So um, that's why I picked the 21 days. It is not a cure-all in 21 days because it's not possible in grief. takes us on all sorts of different journeys through life. Um, But 21 days, I figured, was a good starting point to sort of turn the tide, if you will, uh, when you're going through grief, and it is a good w- tool and a good amount of time for if you're feeling kind of lost or kind of numb or depressed after losing an animal to get you back um, on a pathway to a normal life while you still continue to grieve. Mm. Tell me a little bit about the audio clips. Sure. Um, the audio clips are brief. They're about two minutes each, and they include instructions on, as I said, these healing activities. And we've got activities such as, you know, uh, cooking yourself a nice meal, which I know may seem very simple, but when you're depressed and going through a tough time, it's that's something that's good to do for yourself. We also have activities such as how you want to memorialize your dog um, or your pet. Do you want to have a physical memorial, such as planting a tree, or would you like to maybe do an online memorial? So we uh, talk about that in the audio, and then it's followed up in the workbook. And we also do um, 
we have all sorts of things, things about being sad, things about being angry. So that's all in the audio. The audio is sort of the thing that guides you, and then the workbook is the thing that brings it home for you. And there's guided questions in the workbook to help do that. I have one of these kits right here, and I'd like to go ahead and give this particular one away if you're grieving over a pet that you've just lost. Go ahead, give me a call now at one 405 8405 Is there a website where we can learn more about this? Absolutely. If you go to pause2talk.com, you will be able to find the kit there under our shop tab. Margot, thank you so much for what you've done and for coming on the show with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Tammy Trujillo, working hard in the newsroom. What do you got going on over there? Okay, well, how many of us have not thought about having a chimpanzee as a pet? Uh, <laughs> I think we, we all have, right? Yeah. Because they're fantastic. And you remember years and years ago at a big radio station party back in our past. Oh, yes. Bub- you remember yes. Bubbles, Michael Jackson's chimp was actually my date. Yes, I do remember that. I was One of the I, best I, dates I, I've ever had. I remember seeing that and thinking that your taste in men was a little off center, but, you know. Oh, hey. see, and I looked at it and thought she had the best taste in men. I wanted to make that long-term relationship, quite frankly, um, didn't work out. (laughs) What about the chimps? Okay, well, back to that story. Actually, we've all thought about having a chimp as as a pet because they are so darn cute. However, a study done in Chicago at the Lincoln Park Zoo says if we do that, we are actually doing that chimp irreparable harm that they may never be able to recover from. Ooh. See, Judy won't let me get a chimp because it's too accurate when it throws its poop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they very good it. at poop throwing, yes. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is Animal Radio, baby. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Experts on rabies have come up with a plan to eliminate the disease for once and for all, but it needs a lot of funding and a ton of cooperation. It involves a program for mass vaccination of dogs in certain regions of the world where rabies is still common. Rabies is pretty rare in developed countries since we all routinely vaccinate our pets against it. But it kills nearly 70,000 people a year, just the same, mostly in parts of Africa and Asia. The global effort would cost hundreds of millions of dollars and need governments and health agencies to work together. Well, I think a lot of us have wanted a chimpanzee at one point as a pet. I know I have. And they are pretty much irresistible. But the first ever study done on how human interaction affects chimps shows that we are doing them more harm than good. 
The study was done by the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. It found that chimps raised during the first four years of their lives by humans suffer serious social and behavior problems when they get older if they're sent to a new home at a zoo or a sanctuary. They don't know basic chimp behaviors, and many don't seem to be able to learn them. And this is interesting. It is legal in most of the U.S. to have a chimp as a pet, even though they are endangered animals, and they can, of course, be quite dangerous when they become adults because they are so strong. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is NASCAR driver Corey Joyce on Animal Radio and uh, spaying new to your pets. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Hi, Pat. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good. Where are you coming from? Spokane, Washington. Spokane. Lovely Spokane. You're on with the doctor. Oh, thank you. Hi there. How are things going with you? Well, they're doing fine, except I uh, seem to have a little problem. I'm a parakeet lady, and I've had... This is my fifth one. Parakeet, did you say? Parakeet. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. uh, uh, The first one I had, I bought... Well, somebody gave it to me in 1985. And he was a wonderful bird. He started to talk, and I taught him how to speak in uh, Hawaiian, English, Spanish, and French. (laughs) Wow. And he had a a vocabulary of over 200 words. And he said long sentences and always in context. Wow. That's better than hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Better than a lot of people I know. (laughs) Uh, He was a brilliant bird. I enjoyed him so much. He died um, after nine years. I had him for a while. Anyway, spoiled me. So um, then I had three other little birds, and a couple of them would say a few words, and the rest of them were really dumbbells. They just wouldn't talk at all. And I know it's the male that talks, and so I always get to him. Well, I bought one a little while ago, and uh, I bought him about okay. when he was about six weeks old. He was hand-fed, and so I thought I could put my hand in. Well, don't do that. <laughs> he was scared to death. <laughs> so I wasn't going to be groping all around, you know, and put the fear in him, so... I've really relaxed on that, and uh, I talk to him. I say the same word many, many times, and uh, up to about a week ago, he's starting to twitter a little bit. He's very quiet, except when he's screaming, and that isn't very much. He's a pretty quiet bird. And, mm-hmm. um, I bought a little bathtub because uh, he was uh, taking a bath in his drinking cup, so I put that in there, but I think he ignores that, and he flutters okay. his wings a lot. All right, so he is picking up some, what you think are some vocalizations, and he's showing some, some attempts to do that then. I think so. It's very quiet, like he's whispering into the mirror. Okay. Yeah. And are you just looking for some, some help and how to get him to that point where we can make him that uh, super talker? Well, I, I, I don't know if it was the bird or it was me or the combination. I, yeah, I wanted to talk. And okay. I'm doing the same thing I was doing with the first bird, really mm-hmm. taking my time, you know, and Absolutely. And I think, you know, certainly, you know, just like with uh, people, there's different aptitudes for some different talents. You know, I'm not a super math whiz. I'm, I'm good at the spoken word and language. But for 
for some birds, it's the same way. Some will be fabulous talkers. And um, your your first bird, that is an amazing ability for a parakeet to speak because generally they're not overall the best speakers out there. Um, most parakeets may learn, you know, single words, um, and simple phrases, um, and then whistling and, and mimicking sounds such as that. They're not the super best speakers out there, but you are correct that male parakeets tend to be t- better talkers. And um, I guess the big things that we would always say is, you know, it sounds like you got him young. That's very important to get the, the birds young and to get them really bonded to the human in the home. Um, so it's very helpful if there's any kind of mirrors in the cage to actually remove those so that, you know, his focus is on you as a companion. Um, and then as far as my best recommendations for getting these little guys to talk um, is definitely if you can get him finger tame into where he really enjoys your physical company, that's great. Um, but I spend about 30 minutes a day, and I would just uh, focus your efforts maybe in the morning. That's when uh, we believe birds are most uh, adaptable and like the little sponges of their brain working the best. Um, so spend that time every morning and I'd work on that and, uh, you know, give it time. You know, he may not be that super talker that your other friend was, but uh, well, he came you know, on, I, I think he can. He came on my hand about three times and just like the finger. <laughs> Who does? Uh, yeah, it can be a little scary for some birds to actually just approach that pointy object that's you're sticking at them. So yeah, sometimes the, the hand um, is a little bit easier. So, but lately he's not doing that even, so I'm thinking he's just young and takes time. I will take the mirror out, though. I thought, he likes the mirror. He talks to himself all the time in this little mm-hmm. chirpy thing, you know. Yeah, but definitely you want that attention towards you. Right, so, yeah. okay, I'll do that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with those efforts, and, and I applaud you. Boy, your parakeet, your original one, that is an amazing talking ability. So I have recorded him, too. Well, can you send us some Can you send us some audio? I'd love to hear that. Well, he's got the radio in the background because he wouldn't talk. By, when he knew I was looking at him or taping him, he wouldn't talk. <laughs> well, that's okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to put you on with Judy. We're going to see if we can get some of that audio, okay? Okay. We have Scott on the phone. Hi, Scott. Yes, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Very good. How can we help you? Well, um, my dog doesn't have very bad fleas. I'm a truck driver, but I'd like to keep what fleas I can off of her. Did you say very bad fleas? Is that like being a little bit pregnant? <laughs> she, she, she does not have a very intensive infestation. Matter of fact, I've never actually found a flea on her, but I okay. found flea leaving. Oh. So, but um, I tried the front line because I know okay. flea collars don't work where they're deadly. Okay. And she good. had a severe allergic reaction, and we almost lost her. Holy Ooh. cow. So, she, so you're probably looking for some alternatives, I'm assuming, things that you don't put on the skin. Is that correct? Exactly. All righty. Um, and and the, I guess the important thing that we got to talk about is that even if you only see the occasional flea, we got to remember that they only spend a very, very short period of time on the pet. In your cab, you may very well have the flea eggs and other immature um, fleas I've in your environment. Never been they may prefer her, <laughs> but it's very easy for these little suckers to jump off into, you know, in other environments. So, but yeah, if you are traveling, you got to be prepared. There's always that potential for fleas. Um, plus, we also want to keep our babies comfortable because, you know, a lot of dogs 
fleas can scratch the bejesus out of them. So one little flea bite really can set off that itch cycle for many weeks. So if we can't go the topical route, um, some of the old standbys um, where we use flea combs and um, vacuuming um, the immediate environment. That is very helpful. So then we might be looking at more of these, um, the oral forms of flea control. And they can have a very quick kill time on a lot of the fleas. And uh, it can be a way that we can try to treat her without um, going with that topical route if that's just, um, you know, not a not a plus for her. Um, so, yeah, there are some pills. Um, there's different brands. Um, there's one called Capstar, Comfortis, which I can never say that right, um, Program and Sentinel. All of those are oral forms. They may have different mechanisms, how they work. Some are actually what we kind of call birth control for fleas, so the immature fleas can't reproduce and can't develop. And other ones will be actually a quick kill, so they actually kill the fleas that are on the pet at that time. So that might be something. So, you know, and you've got a sensitive kid there, so, um, you know, I would make sure that we work with your veterinarian on that so we can find one that we have the best success and the least concerns of any kind of um, upset tummy or anything like that. I appreciate that. My, you know, my sister said I should look into the, the pills, too. Yeah, and just because okay. a pet has a, has a sensitivity with one medicine doesn't mean it's going to happen with everyone. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Alan Cable, it's your mess, fun tainment for your heart and your head. Here's your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. You wouldn't think he's 10 years old just by the way he acts. Tucker gets into a lot of trouble. Known in the family to be the food burglar. And because of that, an amazing secret that was hiding in Tucker's belly is about to be revealed to the world. After I turn around, the popsicle is gone. Tucker ate it sticking all. You know, smacking his jaws. But you know, with dogs, often what goes in comes right back out. Sticking all, everything came out. Two days later, something else came out. And I look in the paper towel, and here is my wedding ring. I kid you not. My wedding ring? Her ring went missing five years ago. Go. I was devastated. The bet thinks the popsicle stick may have dislodged the ring. Friends have said, I want a dog that throws up diamonds. Like, who doesn't, right? So I have my wedding ring back, and Tucker is, <laughs> he's my hero. Hero? That dog's a jewel thief. And I don't even care. <laughs> this is Animal Radio, baby. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Would you give your pet CPR if they needed it? Muzzle to muzzle? Well, a survey says you would, certainly. I would. 
Mouth you? to snout, I would. I've actually I seen... I sure hope so. I, I would hope most of our listeners would do that and I jump would think, in. yeah, you wouldn't yeah. think about it twice if you're an animal radio listener. Uh, I've seen you, Judy, jump out in front of a car to save your dog. Yeah, um, they, she was so little and she got out in traffic and they couldn't see her. So I went out there and held up traffic until I got her out of the road. Well, this new Associated Press survey says we'd give our animals muzzle to muzzle if we needed to. And that 58% of us know how to. I've been in this business for a while. I would like to think that I knew how to, but I don't know. Uh, I know. We're guilty. We'll have to do a quick lesson here. Is it, yeah. is it different than humans, Doc? You know, it's basically the similar concept, um, but instead of mouth-to-mouth, we're doing mouth-to-snout. So that's the difference. You want to keep the mouth closed, and you uh, want to um, make sure you're directing that right into the nose. Okay. This is yeah. something that I understand the Red Cross, your local chapter, has lessons if you want to learn a little yeah. more about that. classes. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hi, uh, good. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Well, hi. How are you today? We have a uh, yellow lab. Uh, he'll be two years old in December, and uh-huh. uh, he's eating his own stool. Every morning we'll let him out and uh, bring him back in. You know, he goes to the bathroom before he eats, and when he gets done eating, he'll run right back out and eat the pile, you know, as soon as he wow. lets him back <laughs> Maybe he's into recycling or just trying to save you some money. <laughs> he's he a is. green dog. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, is that sanitary if he comes back in, he licks you or whatever, you know, I mean, health problems, mm-hmm. anything like that? What can we do? Well, I mean, it's basically a really nasty habit. So, um, but there could be some concerns if, yes, if he's eating his feces and then he's coming over and kissing you in the face, there's the potential for passing um, parasites to people that way. Um, I'd say the first thing we'd want to really work on is some of the motivation for why dogs do this. And it's a great question because we always think that it's a distasteful thing, but dog poop, for some reason, is immensely attractive to, uh, to dogs to eat. Um, it comes from a, like a basic habit that they pick up from their mom when they're little. Um, so we want to intervene with that um, and try to not make it a game. So if you catch them in the act, we're not going to necessarily make a big deal about it and try to um, correct him. We're going to try to redirect that behavior and that attention to something else. So we want to pick up the poop right away. Um, and you also want to um, try to limit his time outside. When he's outdoors, you want to keep him under close observation. So keep him on a leash. Um, keep him close and supervise that potty activity. Some folks have some good results with things like um, cayenne pepper um, or dressing the stool with something really foul tasting, as if poop you didn't think <laughs> tasted bad enough. Um, those things may help for some pets, um, but for others, I'll actually use products called uh, Forbid, Deter. They're basically types of um, supplements that you put into the pet's food that imparts a bad taste to the poop as it comes out the back away. So um, those are very useful. Um, you just have to be vigilant about that. Um, but really, the big thing is when you catch him in the act, we're not going to yell at him because he's okay. going to pick up that turd and oh. run the other way with it, and it's going to oh. become a huge game. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to turn it into but, a game. Okay. Exactly. We don't want that. And then also want to make sure that you've got, Brad, that you've got your baby on a good deworming program. Um, so if he's not already on a monthly heartworm preventative that has a deworming in it, you want to um, make sure he's getting that done. Hey, Richard, how you doing? Pretty good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Miles, Iowa. How can we help you? Well, our dog has... Uh, have what? Here, you talk to <laughs> they got stuff in their ear. And okay. When you, you, when you touch your ear. Uh, my wife says it's crusty looking. Is it white or black or green? It's like little white lumps. Little white lumps. Okay. And it's crusty. And it's crusty. And the dog yelps at you. And the dog, like, yelps just a little if you touch okay. your ear. 
Now, you, you mentioned you have more than one dog, and, and they both have the same problem? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little problematic for me because, in general, when we talk about ear problems in dogs, there's not a lot of things that are really contagious. And if, if I'm from Vegas, so if I'm going to put my gambling chips on the line, um, I'm going to say it's a little unusual to have something in both dogs that isn't contagious. So the number one thing I'd really go looking for is ear mites, um, which are a contagious parasite that can cause ear problems, uh, a lot of itchiness, discomfort, uh, very scratchy pets when they have that. Um, but there are other things. And we look at any Anything from infections of yeast, bacteria, to little foxtails, those little plant um, plant parts that work their way in the ears. So if both pets are in the same environment, yeah, I guess they could get those. But I I really want to check out your pets and see if they might have something like ear mites. And and that's something easily done. Uh, You walk into your local veterinary office and you ask them to take a sample of that and look at it under the microscope. And, oh, cool stuff moves around when we find ear mites. Um, Uh So if, if it is something like that... It they're, is very they're treatable. Much, they're pretty much indoor dogs. You know, we just let them out to go to the bathroom, and, and they're chained up. It's not like they run through any fields or, mm-hmm. you know, they're running all over the place. Okay. And usually for something like ear mites, it is contagious between pets. So if there's a new animal in the home, whether it's a rabbit, a cat, or a dog, if they're sharing the same environment, um, then that could be contagious. Now, if they're not running at large and they don't really have contact with other pets, oh, you know, maybe it's less likely. But either which way, the number one thing I'm going to want to to have to help answer this question is is really to get a sample of that and look under a microscope. Because um, that's really the heart of where we start with these type of problems. I could list a million products to have you go purchase and put in your pet's ear, but it'll be just as worthless as flushing the toilet. So um, the number one thing is really for any pet with an ear problem um, to really get a good direction and a diagnosis. And Uh that is the biggest problem and the biggest uh, reason why a lot of pets' ear infections don't get effectively treated because we kind of home treat or we go over to the local pet store and we pick something off the shelf and we try to see if that will do the trick. But... um, uh, I really can't advocate enough that we get at least one of these babies to the vet, but I would preferably get both of them over there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Richard. Good luck with that. Let us know if you need a follow-up. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.